what was the catalyst for you to say, okay, enough is enough? It was the effect of having an like, immediate family. I was accepting of not being well-groomed, et cetera, et cetera. I was okay with that, but you can't take other people with you. Mm-hmm. And that, for me, that was the catalyst. I was depressed, but I was in not the clinical aspect of it. It was more like I'm skating through life. And I think the direct knock-on effect it was having on other people. I was like, this is the give and something needs to change. Hello, and welcome to Be The Wolf. I am your host, Jenea Barnes. Many people struggle to be the fullest, biggest, truest versions of themselves. They bend to fit into other people's ideals of who and what they should be. They tame their brilliance to avoid judgment and gain approval. A long time ago, people attempted to tame the wilderness of Yellowstone National Park by eradicating predators. Taming the wilderness collapsed the ecosystem. But there's hope. In the mid-90s, 41 wolves were introduced into the park and with this, the ecosystem replenished itself and flourished. The wolves did nothing but be exactly who they are meant to be and do what they were born to do. So I say to you, be the wolf. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Be the Wolf. I am here today with James Roberts. He has quite an accomplishment list. But we'll start with, he's a success and performance coach. He's a two-time Paralympian. He's an author and he's a TEDx speaker and some other things too. (laughs) Today, we're gonna talk about this place of, I'm gonna call it purgatory for today. It's that place where you're not happy. You don't like the way things are going but yet you're not quite willing to do what it takes to get out of it. And a lot of times it takes the flames from, let's say, hell to to burn your feet a little bit to motivate you to take the action. So let's start. James, can you tell us about what you're doing these days? Tell us the goods. Well, Janae, I work with women over the age of 30, rediscover some of that converse that they've lost. And how I do that is generally through weight loss. But also I'll give people like two choices, either work on like body transformation or work on deeper mindset issues that they've got under the surface. And obviously for me, I like, and I've got a fascination towards the latter. So I think it goes hand in hand because I think people can appreciate and can see body transformation a lot easier because it's ever present in magazines television just the way that we interact with each other whereas obviously you and i and other coaches we can obviously operate on the the latter part because it's like well in order for me to make massive strides in my life i've got to have a better understanding and awareness of where i've come from where i'm at and where i'm looking to get to in the future so that depending on the level of the individual and maybe their openness to go into deeper issues. I might do it more gradually. And then if somebody that's like really, really open to the idea that, okay, they need to go hand in hand to make massive strides in the future. 
obviously we'll go a little bit deeper and then obviously the person, the person wants to work on that solely it's yeah. not a problem as well and, and maybe the additional thing of of losing weight is like second fiddle to it so that's where i come from as giving that overall package of more aroundedness because the world that i've operated in for majority of my career has been you know it's more based on looks appearance whereas that's only going to get you so far because if you don't have a, a greater understanding of who you want to become you're going to always be at over to yourself so we're going to talk about this so that's where i found a great purpose in life and i would even say supersedes what you've mentioned before and in the introduction some people might not believe that but as in that's where i i perceive that i have a greater impact on what i do now than what i did in we'll call it a, a past life <laughs> well, and it's so true, just this idea of weight loss, right? Where, especially as women, right, we're, we have to be skinny and we have to be for all these different reasons. You know, the mindset is such a big piece of it. And this is why people go back and forth. I can hold it together. I can hold it together, get through this diet, lose the weight, work out. And then as soon as they get to that place, it's like that, that they were trying to get to all that motivation collapses and little by little, the weight comes back on. And and so it really is a broader to keep the weight off, to maintain that healthy lifestyle that we, in theory, all desire. It takes more than just, you know, three, six months of doing the work. And it's what's going on in your mind that's going to keep you steady to be able to maintain that lifestyle for your life <laughs> and create the good things that you really want in your life. So those of you that have done the yo-yo dieting and the get in shape, not get in shape, the stuff around what's going on with your mind and subconscious beliefs and all of that stuff plays such a big role. So if you really want to make those lifestyle changes, it's more than working with just a physical trainer that's going to work you out on that day or go in on a diet if you want it to last forever. It's soul, it's soul searching. So you and I both have probably done it. So we're not saying, we're not telling somebody to try the path that we've not done. We're, you and I both are probably at some stage or, or another have tried that path. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you look, what you watch. There's information that's misguiding individuals to make, to make decisions that are predicated on emotion. So it doesn't matter if you weight watch a slimming world. I can name hundreds of diets. Right. They're going to work for, th for some people. They're not going to work for others. And it's not taking shame or guilt on yourself to go oh this diet doesn't work for me so i'm the root cause of the of the problem the path that you've taken might not have been the right one for you right. it's as simple as that so i'm going to take some of that burden today and say that responsibility is rested at my feet to give some context for people to go it's not your fault for why this or that hasn't worked in the past but what hopefully this episode today will give you is to change that perspective to go, okay, 
it's not worked in that route. Why can't I pivot to do something else and to not have to resort to worst case scenario of getting to purgatory or getting to the last result and you've got nothing left to go. I don't hit necessarily have to hit rock bottom. Some people might do because then it's a right. wake up call, but I don't have to hit wake up call because somebody else did. I can make subtle changes with diet based on what I want. Right. So why components are very, very important because uh, then I can see where the individual is coming from. So if they do have a setback or adverse moment, because we're all going to have those. But by doing that anchorment to why it's important to an individual, you have something that that gives you an individualistic approach or personalized approach that you could have the same goal as you or I, but your anchor points are completely different. So I've come off a call this afternoon of the lady in question wanted to be a better mother but she were putting herself second to everything else. You can't do that. Because ultimately, if you want to be a better person in one aspect, you need to be a better version of yourself across the board. So that's, you can't say, you can't play second fiddle to everybody else because you're telling me that you're unworthy or undeserving of having that, which I think a lot of ladies do. Men don't have a problem with that. I can assure you that as it doesn't matter if it's your spouse, your boyfriend, whoever. If I wanted to do something, I would do it. So that's where it's trying to give the women in question to go, well, why is it that you feel that you're undeserving? Why why do you not think you're worthy? Because ultimately I would say that you are. If you want to change, why is, in your mind, this future unrealistic? Or why are you so pessimistic to not achieve it? To have them question that that belief in the moment to go, why are you not allowing yourself to have something that you want based on X, Y, Z? Because everybody's got the dreams and desires. Yeah. For whatever reason, life's got in the way and life's dictated that, no, that's unrealistic. Why can't you? So people start to lower their standards and lower the bar in terms of what they're capable of. One of the things that's really interesting is you talk about how a lot of women struggle with this and they do. Absolutely. And in my experience with all the people that I've worked with, men struggle with it too, that feeling of not being good enough, but it plays out in their life in a different way. And one of the reasons why I love sharing stories is because we get to see ourselves in other people's experiences. So you had a unique situation in the way that you were born and what you had to overcome at the early part of your Mm -hmm. life. Let's talk a little bit about that. Well, I never perceived it as as adverse, and it it was only through doing things like this that I've leaned into it, and this has taken years Mm -hmm. to do it because, gosh, how long have we been doing that? I've been doing a podcast myself on, well, seven years, we're nearly closing in on a decade, but to appear on other shows, probably, I don't know, five years, maybe a bit longer, it would be others that would say, oh, your life's adverse. Yeah, but from my eyes, it's what I know. So thus, it's right. not because ultimately I could have this manifestation or being of, oh, life's hard. Right. Well, so what I, I'm getting at is you were born different than the average person. And because of that, 
the world might perceive you as being limited. Not anybody that I knew. I'm going to use some woo woo words now. Uh, and I never thought I'd ever say it. But as in the aura that people were giving off to me would probably not be that. As you, you are unique in your own sense of being unique, that it was more of a blessing in disguise. Okay, yeah. for me personally, growing up, I think probably through the ages of 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, were turbulent because I used to say things to get a reaction from mm-hmm. family. I wish I wasn't disabled. I wish I'd never been born. They wouldn't bite. So I wanted to be normal, whatever that looks like. Well, I'm quite happy being a black sheep now. I quite enjoy being on the ex- exterior looking at inwards. I'm happy being out here. If you want to join me and then you get a different outlook on life, that's fine. So limited probably not but that's probably because people have been that i've associated with being very resourceful very adaptable very flexible what's beautiful about that is the fact that so many people that might be born with a disability or born with something quote different than the average person would Mm -hmm. start to look at their look at the world and look at themselves as if they're not good enough. They're not worthy of, they're less than other people. And so the fact that you were surrounded by people that didn't do that for you, and you created and had this belief that you were fine. And because of that, you were able to accomplish a lot of things. And this is one of the things when people get into that belief pattern that they're less than, and you were just talking about it with the women, right? If you're you're in that belief pattern that you're less than and you can't do these really great things, then you become what you believe. You actually don't accomplish the things that you wanted to accomplish. So in your first career, let's talk about your first career and all that you did accomplish because, and maybe share with the audience what your quote disability was. I've got something similar to amputation, but obviously mine's from birth. So I've not had it through cancer or anxiety like that. So I have to wear an artificial leg. I started in mainstream sport. So everything that we're going to talk about in a second was alien to me. Well, I've never seen another disabled person up until I was 15. Other than maybe, I don't know, magazines or something like that. I I knew I was different and I knew I wasn't like everybody else, but I had nothing to go, what's life like with the disability? Open my eyes to how you can talk about it so to, 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 I get praised by people that know me oh you got dark humor yeah but not all the time because some people would take it as black and white you can't say that yeah but I have but it would be in in that realm a lot worse yeah. because that, that's socially acceptable in that environment to to take the mick and poke hope fun at people because it's like we're all the same we've all got disabilities and I, I trust the people to go well you're not going to take that out of context and sometimes it's got me in trouble sometimes it, it hasn't but be it the example I'm going to use is my business coach is ex-military so it's old school women and children and the men so I went you've served the women shouldn't the cripple go next 
he said, oh, have you just said that? Well, I can't take it back. I've verbalized it. But the shock in people's eyes was unbelievable. But I think because of being in the realms of disability, that become tolerant because when I walked into the, that world at 16, I surely can't say this. I'd probably be shocked myself if somebody would say that 20 years ago kind of go surely you can't say something like that about somebody else okay i was describing myself well and one of the things that you said because you weren't around any other disabled people you were just around people that were so-called normal you didn't have a model for somebody being like oh my life is terrible because i'm disabled your life was just your life and you got to live it and be if you have a crooked nose or if you have brown hair it's just a thing that's about you and i can joke about well that's why i tried hair. to try to get to if somebody's thinking like you described your nerve oh woe is me right i'm not gonna pity you but i'm okay let me have a greater understanding of where you're coming from for where you've got to that that's pretty crap yeah. If you're just existing through life as, okay, I'll empathize with you to go, okay, can you give me some perspective as, and I did this as a post about a year ago. So, cause I was curious. I asked in a Facebook forum for amputees, if you had to describe your amputation in one word, what would it be? And it was split. It was split down the middle. There was no in between. It was literally good and bad. Mm. Okay. For the bad ones, this didn't help my energy because I've not looked at it since because I'm right. like really going down. I was like, yeah, you need to stop looking at that. Look at the positive ones to get reinforced, make you feel good. But I wanted to know why they were using so negative. We talked about hell. They were using words like that. to just, It's like, surely yeah. your life can't be like that 24 hours a day because that sounds pretty miserable. I mean, but some people weren't willing to step outside of it as okay but it gave me some perspective as for the negative ones they were open to go this is why it's a negative whereas the person that was in a dark tunnel that they perceived they couldn't get out of they were unwilling to see from my perspective as hey there is some sort of light at the end of that it could be very very minute right but there is light at the end of the tunnel That's, and so i love that you saw that so clearly asking that it asking what's your life like and it was clear cut like black and white good or bad and such a valuable insight into people's mindset and i wondered too because so much of that feeling less than comes from feeling like you're missing something and because you were born <laughs> with your disability you didn't lose a limb I wonder if that really plays into the powerful mindset because it is always, you've always been whole. Whereas somebody else. Well, technically not, but I know where you're coming from. <laughs> right. But you've been, you've been as you've always been. You don't have this experience of having a limb that you lost. Mm. And so the other amputees that, it happened to them because of whatever reason it happened. They had this thing 
and now they don't have it. And I could see how that might really lead to that feeling of being less than because they are less than what they were born with. But you did a lot of really powerful, successful things in the first half of your in your first career life. Let's talk a little bit about what you accomplished in this place of having this mindset that you are whole and that you are strong enough to do anything. What? Tell me about what you actually accomplished. Oh, gosh, that's a great question. I think because I was naive-ish, that's how I would look at life probably 25 years ago, that it was a ladder I wanted to climb. So it doesn't matter how big the rungs were between the steps. It was like, well, I want to get to the top of this. I don't know how I'm going to do it. But because that environment is cultivated on the same mindset of, I'm going to use success, even though it's probably not the right word, as in the direction that everybody wants to go in is in the same direction, it's positive. As in, mm-hmm. Okay, the environment is very toxic as well. But as in everybody's pulling in the same direction. It was, you know, make the national team at like 16. I made the, uh, our national development program within the space of 18 months. So it was like a massive meteoric rise very, very quickly to, okay, what's the next step? To, okay, I've never had academics take center focus, be number one priority ever. It was always sports. It was always sports paid. Uh, I'll say I'll be generous, say 60-40, probably higher than that. But the centerpiece was always the sport. I could probably have excelled better in the classroom than I did. It's probably why I do what I do now. To, well, I want to learn to, to advance myself and I give that knowledge to people. So if I come back to what we were discussing, it was, for me, it was learning from other people that were around me. Okay, how how did you get to the Paralympics? So everybody's story is slightly different. Right. It was almost a fascination of, well, I'm going to almost be like your little brother or little sister. I'm going to follow you around. I'm going to learn everything and soak up every bit of information that I can that then I can obviously replicate it. So I wasn't out of sport very long. And he he was more of an uncle to me than a performance director. He would look out for me asking, oh, what's your thoughts about doing rowing? I was a bit indecisive even then to kind of go, well, let's run it past my mom because she's been there all throughout my career. You could be very, very good or absolutely useless. But from somebody that's coming from a sporting background, those are two positives. Because if I'm not good at it, I could do something else or do something else. I reinvent myself until I find something I'm good at. So you view failure as a lesson to be learned I said what is this thing trying to teach me and then if I was good at it which I ended up being you stay in that sport and you keep going into obviously you're beaten so did I think I would be a natural at no chance I I literally signed up to was try it I don't know where I'm going to go with this and literally I was setting new precedents weekly mm-hmm. uh, what what is physically possible, what's mentally possible, because 
the test we had to do on the rowing machine, I think we had to do a thousand meters in under five minutes. We're just using our trunk. I got within about, I think, a second or two, and that was the first time I've ever been on a machine. Wow. So, so you what, had a natural talent already, like right off the Well, bat. I'd come from an aerobic sport, so yeah. I probably lost some of that. But their expectation as a national program is like, well, don't focus on the world champs in 2006. Focus on the world champs in t- – I'm like, no. I want, that thing is like – that's in within touching distance. Why would I extend it out 12 months? But I think the, the attitude that I – display it with my performance director i think he was happy to hear what i said i was like well i'm pretty close i needed a partner that was it that we went we ended up going in 2006 but as in my 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 perspective was like why am i going to extend it out why am i going to make something that's literally there why am i going to extend it further out so a lot of people do this i was oh I, i don't think I can do it right now because my head's not in the right place. So my meditation's not there. So that's an excuse. One of the things too, when you can accept failure, when you can realize that, oh, it's there to teach me something, you're there. 2006 is right there. You could potentially get it. 2007, they wanted you to shoot for that instead. It's like playing small. I had the belief in myself that I probably would make it. Going back to that belief that you become what you believe. Well, it's a little bit of arrogance that sports people have got. It's like really fine between overconfidence and uh, obviously it could perceive that it can be perceived as arrogant. But as in, I had the belief that I had the right people behind me to, and I did. Literally, where I live in Wales, the Welsh governing body threw all the resources at me. I went, well, I've got these resources. I've got, I had numerous coaches to, Anybody that came up against me, because ultimately the program that I was in is the envy of everybody, every disabled athlete in the world. Right. So I, and in that sport, I was never beaten in four years. And so, so you had great success in sports, and then you retired at 26, is that correct? It's about that time frame. Too. You retired. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And... Things changed when you retired. Instead of being that driven, proactive, powerful mindset man that you are, you slipped into, let's call it a dark place. You want to tell us a little bit about, tell us what do you think was the reason why you slipped into this sort of depressive place? I didn't prepare. I assumed that I would get a standing ovation, a round of applause for a career, and I chose to step off stage right. I know that's a choice. You made a choice to retire, but in terms of me, I think because I was unprepared, I didn't like it to be on the welfare state to start off because none of my family has ever been like that. That I was making myself feel 10 times worse. That, okay, your athletic career is not what you set out it to be as a 16-year-old. I wanted a gold medal at the very top. It didn't come. Obviously, it was elusive. But my definition of success has massively changed in 20 years. But I think because of retiring 
and not having a clear outlook or clear plan as well what do you want to do next in life i was going into a wilderness without a map you're going to get lost right so okay that's in hindsight to go well that's bound to happen if you don't know the lay of the land the terrain etc you don't be able to distinguish one tree from the next so for me why did i go to such a dark place probably a lot of complaining a lot of whinging a lot of moaning as pointing mm -hmm. fingers i probably would be more respectful of myself to own some of that i think that place that dark place that people get to it, it doesn't happen overnight and and you're right when you don't have a plan when you don't have an idea of where you want to go it's real easy to just sit in the muck and be in this place. So you were on the welfare state, which none, nobody in your family had ever been on. So that's this place of not feeling so great about yourself and not knowing what you want to do. And I think a lot of people can relate, like if they lose a job and they don't really know what they want to do. One of my old clients, he lost his job of 18 years and he had a decent severance package but didn't know what he wanted to do and didn't want to end up with another terrible job. So he just stayed stuck until severance was pretty much running out. And then those flames started burning his feet for him to motivate and do something to get out of that place of purgatory. So you're in this dark place and part of it, not having the purpose, not having the plan is a big piece of why you ended up there. What did it take for you to get out of that place? What was the precipice? What was the catalyst for you to say, okay, enough is enough. Let me step forward and do something different. It was the effect of having an like, immediate family. I was accepting of not being well-groomed, et cetera, et cetera. I was okay with that. But when it was in an avenue, I'm not going to affect other people with their mental well-being. I'm like, this is unacceptable. I can see that they're slowly spiraling themselves that, you know, you can't take other people with you. Mm -hmm. and that, for me, that was the catalyst. I was depressed, but I was in not the clinical aspect of it. It was more like I'm right. skating through life. And I think the direct knock-on effect it was having on other people. I was like... This is going to have to give and something needs to change. And this is a really powerful thing, I think, because with all the self-help gurus and the coaches and they have to, they all say, you have to do it for you. You have to really want to do it for you, for it to really take hold. And well, that's true. Like you've got to want to do it for you, for it to be the lo a long-term change and effect. But sometimes when you're in that place, when you're in the muck in that purgatory place, sometimes it's the way things are affecting other people that is the motivation for us to do it. Or you don't want to let somebody else down or so you know, a lot of people will say that's a bad thing, but I really think sometimes when you're in that place, whatever it is to get you to take the first step is a good thing. And it doesn't matter necessarily if it's 100% totally for you, if it's 20% for you, 80% for somebody else, and it's what gets the ball rolling 
then that's okay. There's no need to feel bad about that. And I know some people point the finger and say, well, that's not the way it should be. Whatever gets you to take the first step, because I know, and I've seen thousands of times, sometimes that's all it need is you take the first step and then you start going and you start to comes back to wanting to do it for you. How was it for you once you took the first step? I started probably taking bold moves. My mom went on a holiday, even back then, to... She'd planted the seed of me getting into coaching a long mm. time ago. I wasn't ready back then. And I think how I've evolved through becoming a coach and getting qualified as a coach, you got to be empathetic because, obviously, everybody's going to have a story as how they got there. If I'm not empathetic towards that, that's not fair on the individual, that I'm just sugarcoating. Some people need to take responsibility and they've not taken care of themselves and that's where they're at. Some people obviously regret that and some people don't. It's like, that. okay, that's fair enough. Okay, but you can't come and cry to me when you want to change because you're not showing me that you want to change because to me, your behavior is telling me otherwise and it's okay to not want to change and own it, but that's predicated to my story i owned it because it affected other people so i took it upon myself while she was away to to get qualified as a personal trainer and i think within a couple of months working in a gym so okay i'm fed up of being reliant i made the decision as well we're gonna go to to full-time employment to work for myself so just one quick one would you say this is a yes or no question would you say that once you took that step and you started moving into coaching and building and building did you regain your old mindset i don't think so i think it's like it's slightly up because some of that mindset that i had previously doesn't work in, in this capacity that I'm in so now. So I had to evolve it a little evolve. bit. Yeah, beautiful. And that's, it's a powerful thing, right? Because as we move into new realms, we the more we evolve, the more flexibility and ability we have to help others. I always know in my own work, I say we can only take people so far as we ourselves have come. Now, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, wants to work with you, all of those things, how do they do that? Tell us all the goods. You can get in touch with me. Social media is probably the better one because then you can actually ask me questions to be able to go whatever it is. It's something we discussed today. And then it gives you license to what content is already out there. If you wanted to speed up that process, obviously go to my website and then the booking procedures all there to book in with a, to have a 30 minute call. I'll deep dive to to see what you've tried. What why is it important for you to get to the goal? To go yeah. to see if and how I can actually help. If I can't, obviously I'd signpost somebody to direct competitor. I've got no problem doing that. To go based on what you've information you've given me, I think this individual that I know, just so there's a better synergy with you getting the results. That's what I think distinguishes between a good and a great coach is they're willing to admit where, no, I can't help you. I think you do better with somebody else. Or I think you aren't best suited right now for coaching. And it's a question I ask, is it a noun thing or a related thing for people? 
if it's a if it's a later thing, that's fine. That's okay. We will circle the wagons and we will come back and follow up. And this has happened with one of my clients. He works with me now and he's getting a result. But what he realizes now was he was or he was getting information from all over the place. He was bombarding himself. So he can realize that that maybe I don't want it. I don't, the desire isn't as strong as I would like it to be, which is okay. Because for whatever reason, the one that hurts hard is probably the unworthiness or, yeah. or what I was speaking about before, because you're almost telling yourself the thing that you'd crave the most, you don't deserve it. Well, but that's that, obviously a belief system. When you're in that place of purgatory, like you're not happy, you want something better. But you have to want it. You have to really want it enough to take an action. And taking action sometimes feels a little uncomfortable. I know when I have calls with people and we're checking to see if it's a right fit. And you talked about that. It's got to be a right fit for you. It's got to be a right fit for me. And it's one of those things is somebody has to be committed to actually doing the work to get the result. Because... You can, you'll get some results by half-assing it. But if you're spending the money and you're taking the time, you don't get the time back. You can always make more money. You never get the time back. So it's important to step in. And whether it's for you or for somebody else, because maybe it's that first step that gets you going, there's got to be some drive for you underneath that as well. And for those of you that are looking to get out of purgatory as far as career, if you're in that place, that's what I do. I help people to actually enjoy their job, like their job. Sometimes you don't want to quit a job. Sometimes you feel safe, you feel secure, and you're not ready to take the leap to go find something new, find that dream career, all of that stuff. Uh, you just want to feel good at work so that you can enjoy the rest of your life too. If you want to do that, you can reach out to me. Uh, you can book a call. We'll have a conversation, see if it's a good fit at elevatebookacall.com. And if you're looking for James, it's jamesowenroberts.com. So y'all, if unless you're driving, take a moment, open up your browser Type in elevatebookacall.com or James Owen Roberts. James Owen Roberts.com. Exactly. All right. And one last question for you, James. If you needed to tell your past self who was in purgatory <laughs> one thing to help get him out of purgatory, what would be the piece of advice that you would give him? What did he need to know in order to take that first step? Well, I think everything's going to be all right. And I'm going to utilize myself as the, as the vehicle. I think because there's the uncertainty, because I, I was unprepared, right. I didn't have a map. Thus, I didn't know where I'm going, so I don't have a purpose. Because the future was so uncertain from a negative perspective, I didn't want to step into it. So where I get people to look at it now is, well, even if it's positive, the future is still uncertain. Yeah. But your attitude is completely different. Yeah. How you step into it. So for me, I'd probably say the future is bright. Just have the conviction that if you work hard, things will fall into place. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing that it's going to be okay. 
And as long as you're willing always to keep taking steps forward, it will always be okay. And that's very powerful. Thank you, James, for sharing with us your story, your insight. And for all of you listening, remember that when you feel good about who you are and what you do, we elevate and evolve humanity. Thank you very much. We'll see you all next time on Be The Wolf. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Be The Wolf. Please take a moment to rate, share, and follow this podcast so that together we can inspire others to be the wolf.